0: Hello, Chris here, and welcome to this week's episode of the Make It Podcast. This week, we have a wide-ranging conversation with Jesse James LeCourier. Jesse James is an actor and proud father, and we painted outside the lines a bit in this episode, and we chat about music, the mentorship of William H. Macy, the odd genius of Joaquin Phoenix, and we pondered the idea of Marlon Brando being a meme. Jesse James began his acting career nearly 40 years ago when he started his studies at the Lee Strasberg Acting Institute in Manhattan at the age of eight. Years later, he went on to study with the Atlantic Theater Company's Practical Aesthetics Workshop at New York University. With over 50 film and television credits, he is best known for his work in Ant-Man, Banshee, MacGyver, Sleepy Hollow, Still the King, and Turn, Washington's Spies, on AMC. Currently, you can watch Jesse James' Henry in the second season of Ozark on Netflix. In the coming months, you'll be able to catch him in the first episode of Dolly Parton Theater, also on Netflix. The Dead Center, a feature film recently acquired by Arrow Films. And soon, he will be making an extraordinary appearance in the Escape Games Interactive Gaming Experience, nationally. Jesse James resides in Nashville, Tennessee, where he teaches acting workshops and coaches actors for film and television. So, without further ado, I give you hater of rom-com music, fan of Al Pacino, and taker of big risks, actor Jesse James
1: Hi, I'm Jesse James LeCourrier. I'm primarily a film and television actor. You might know me from Ant-Man. Uh, you might know me from Turn. I was General Cornwallis in Turn. Um, Homeland, show called Banshee that was on Cinemax. A um, couple of movies. Uh, I was in a film uh, called Burden that made some rounds. Uh, Josephine... Uh, a whole bunch of things. Been a whole 40 years of stuff I'm trying to configure here into them in a moment. Um, stuff I'm working on currently uh, this week, I'm heading down to Atlanta to shoot an episode of MacGyver, the new series, not the old series. It's not like they're not adding me into an older, the, the, the first run. Um, and uh, got some short films coming up um, and just always constantly, uh, constantly putting myself on tape.
0: Fantastic, man. Thank you so much for joining us, and I will definitely check you out in uh, MacGyver. That was one of my favorite shows growing up.
1: Yes, this new season. I don't know. It's like the remakes. I have no idea. It's like they just get these It's like it's like insert insert new pretty faces, you know what I mean? Not not that the original MacGyver was all that pretty, but he had great hair, you know. He he
0: did. And and look, it's it's (laughs) very much about um, how business works. So if if someone proves a business model successful then they'll just repeat that yeah. with new products and so that's
1: kind of what happens. Yeah, and you know what and it's in and, and the frustrating thing for me or that I sense is like being in the business. It's hard, you know, it's like we know in those in the business know like what the truth is and it's sometimes telling the truth and saying the truth like saying oh it's a reboot or it's a this or sometimes that's like like a big no-no, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure producers and people spending millions and millions of dollars don't want to be spending, you know, they don't want what they're spending their money on to be considered some old hat thing. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> it's interesting when you have insider knowledge to this stuff, you know, to this stuff and then what you can and cannot tra- transmit and, and relate to other people, you know, or what's, what's taboo. So, um, I'm sure the show is great. I, I've seen a couple of episodes, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's the type of show that, um, you know, every every week there's a new bad guy, and and MacGyver trying to, you know, solve problems with a paperclip and a flamethrower. You know what I mean? It's like uh, that's that's the <laughs> gig. So same same premise.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I um I have this random memory of MacGyver one episode where his little sidekick was a little bit too chubby, and they were trying to hide from some bad guys, and he kept telling his <laughs> friend to suck it in, suck it in, and right. his friend was like, I can't suck it in anymore and i just there's a good
1: deal yeah it it sounds like there's always a good good dose of humor in the show and it seems like i i just read the script for this episode and it's it's kind of the same thing you know what i mean it kind of, he has his little band of i don't know if he had a band he has a band of people now like his little team of people you know and and the, i i can definitely see how one of them is kind of the more comedic the other one's the more kind of nerdy the other one's a little more you know socially graceful you know and so um and i'm i don't i'm not working with the actual mac on this one i'm working with the team on this one i'm i don't want to give anything away but i'm 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 the bad guy in this one so
0: mm, surprise surprise so like but surprise but, surprise yeah. but no i took it very seriously i was like oh being fat is like a liability oh right on <laughs> yeah oh i see what you mean
1: like right, you know you know what it it can be sometimes too it's like i uh, i forget what show it was or something i saw where it was like you know the entire show or the entire film was devoted to this one character feeling bad because he was tiny I think, mm-hmm. you know he was like you know and then at the very end of the movie being tiny is what saved everybody because this this character was able to like slip through the pinhole and you know uh, uh, diffuse the bomb or something like that. So That's it's awesome. like, you know, but I see what you mean. Like you took it as, you took it as gospel.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I took it as life lessons <laughs> at age eight. Yeah. Like, like, Oh, you,
1: you don't want to be the <laughs> the short end of the stick here as a, as well, a, wouldn't it wouldn't it, wouldn't it suck if you were being chased by like, you know, a, a killer or a, a serial killer or something? and it's like, yeah, what kills you is the fact that they could see your gut. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah. That
0: That's exactly right. And 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 then, terrible. of course, other sitcoms like Seinfeld threw that on its ear where Newman would come in and save the day. Remember when he ate all the muffin tops? Oh, yeah. Exactly. He's like, I'll need a couple of hours. Just bring me yeah. some milk yeah. and I'll yeah. eat all the muffin tops. So then so being fat saved the day. Uh, kind of like your tiny guy situation. So anyway, big aside, uh, let, let's jump right into this thing. Um, let's get it started. Um, what is the biggest challenge you've overcome as an actor and how did you overcome it?
1: Uh, let's see. That's a good question because I mean, I've been acting for, you know, uh, I'll be 48 next year and I started when I was eight. So 48 minus eight is 40. So that means, yeah, 40 years. So you're asking me what my biggest challenge in 40 years has been. Um, well, the one you've overcome the one I've overcome, uh, you know, that's, I mean, you know, it's interesting. I mean, there are some challenges, uh, in this business that are, are not meant to be overcome, I believe, you know what I mean? I think there are some that are, you know, I'm, I guess I'm just trying to categorize this in my head as I think about a real answer. So it's like some challenges, you know, you're, you're not meant to overcome. They are just challenges and they are the challenge of the business on a, on a, on a constant level. Um, there are challenges that if you don't overcome them, you don't stand a chance. Um, and there are other challenges that, you know, if, if by overcoming them and if by seeing seeing them through, you can, you know, reach another place. It's just I think one of the biggest challenges uh, that I have overcome um, and the one that just kind of scream, it may not be the exact one, but the one that kind of screams at me right now is – the uh when i started acting um at 8 years old i wanted to be you know i started i went to lee strasberg institute for acting in 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 new york in manhattan um and you know when i was 8 years old i wanted to be you know al pacino and robert de niro and jack nicholson and you know i mean at that time all those guys were in their you know mid to late 20s 30s you know and so Knowing, you know, knowing that that's what I wanted to be at such a young age, I knew, you know, the challenge at that point in my career was, okay, you know, I I mean, the first audition I ever had was for a movie called on golden pond with uh, Henry Fonda. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the, the challenge I had at that point was there. I was, I think it was like eight or nine years old. And I read for this character who was 13 and, um, Billy. And it, it came down, you know, his first audition ever went into the room, read, I uh, it was like five or six pages of dialogue. I remember rehearsing this constantly. And then I went in there and, um, you know, they told me that I was emotionally fit. Everything was there. However, um, that the role was 13. And so he was, the character was older. And so they said, you know, you're, you're a great actor at for eight, but, you know uh and so at that point you know the lesson was oh you know and, and so on a, on a larger scale it was like oh okay nobody's going to take me seriously until i'm of age you know until i actually have some emotional life behind me and um and so i think you know to answer your question directly the biggest challenge that i can think of right now is was the challenge of moving from you know being a theater actor primarily stage um and thinking that that was my whole world of acting and then moving into uh camera work um and and not just i mean the the actual acting and the the challenge of you know what an act what i faced as an actor you know that wasn't the challenge it was you know i mean if, if, if a director says to me hey I mean, the, the number one criticism—not criticism—but the number one note I would always get was, "Hey, let's make that smaller. Let's make that—you know what I mean." And so, fitting it into the the, the frame, as opposed to you know, because when you're on stage, you have to fill this entire space, you know, for the audience, right, and right. so that wasn't that wasn't necessarily the challenge. The challenge really was the business side of it and the what's expected of as the actor, you know. And in, in theater, you have. My what I walked away from it with and I haven't walked away from theater, but just, you know, that what when I when I compartmentalize theater and camera uh, and this is a topic that all actors love talking about, especially if they have experience in both. But, you know, the challenge for me was just the idea that in theater, there you are creating this character. You're there. you have rehearsals with these these, you know, your other actors and your director. And, you know, it's <clears throat> it's more of a, a, a group effort. You know, and and an actor, what an actor says about the character and what they do movement-wise and how they, you know, it's it's left to the actor uh, to create this character. And, and so you have a lot more say in it, you know. And when I moved into camera and film and, and TV and stuff, I quickly realized that... Uh, You know, I, I've never been one about talking about my characters with anybody unless I'm asked. So it's not like I would show up. It's not like I'd show up on set saying, Hey, this is what I think I should do because of this, this, and this. But what I realized was, is that, you know, when you audition for film or TV or camera, you pretty much need to be as close to the thing as possible. You know, you don't get time to develop. You don't get time. You don't get eight, six, two, three, four, whatever, how many weeks, months or whatever to develop this character and to develop that relationship. You know, the way I describe it is, is with, with film and TV, you get airlifted into a situation that is already running and you have to hit the ground running and you have to be that thing. And so the challenge was, is, is in the, uh, is, is the, is just knowing that, I mean, there's a, there's a bright side to it because I know when I book something uh, for TV or film, I know I'm pretty much, I, I did it. I already did the thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That audition is what they saw. That's what they want. Do not change that. Right. In theater, you know, directors have a little more, I think they could see the character in the person, you know what I mean? And, and let them develop it. And So I think the challenge is, is just being, you know, ready to go when the, when the clock strikes, you know, just, just, and, and, and having faith and confidence in that knowing, you know, um, knowing that I'm the guy that they want and, and just feeling confident and showing up on set, you know, fully loaded and ready to go. And I don't mean loaded like drunk. I mean, you know, with all guns blazing. So, um, you know, and, and the only experience, you know, one, I had an experience a couple of years ago working on a film, uh, a film called Josephine that's uh, yet to be released um, directed by Rory Feek. It actually was at the Nashville Film Festival a couple of years ago and, mm-hmm. and got did, pretty well they've yet to release it they're still working on it but um my experience with that film was when I auditioned for it when I read for it um I I there was a couple scenes I had to read and you know the takes it was the character's very forceful uh brazen individual and um and brutal and uh I approached it in a more kind of seductive way as opposed to hitting somebody over the head. I tried to make it more like I'm, 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 uh, seducing more of a seduction. And so I booked it and then there were like six or I think it was like six to eight weeks before I was going to be on set shooting this. So, you know, I book it and then I, now I know as an actor, I think, you know, because I you very rarely get any time, especially in TV, you get no time. You book something, you're there either the next day or the next week shooting it and then it's done. With film, you know, with this film in particular, I had six to eight weeks to kind of brew and mm-hmm. sit on this character now and because now I booked it and I'm thinking, okay, this is a lead. Uh, he's one of three leads in this film. I really kind of have to step up here and, you know, and then suddenly, suddenly I felt this challenge as an actor, like, wow, I have time to develop this. Right. And so I knew nothing about the civil war. I barely knew who won. Um, I knew very little about the locations. And so when I read the script, I tried to garner from that, like, what, what do I need to know here? And, you know, I, I watched documentaries, I read books about the Civil War, and, and you know, and all that stuff just, it, it's just kind of filtered, filtered in my head. And I thought, okay, this is what this is. I mean, and some of it was very educational in the sense of like, okay, this is, you know, like, edu- like, remind, like, reminders of like, you know, these guys wore wool, and these guys were, their feet hurt, you know what I mean? Just knowing that on top of whatever the struggle was dramatically within the film, there was also this external layer of of, of, of existence I mean being in a battle and, and fighting and killing and dying and all these things and so um I added all this stuff you know and I took notes and i and i very rarely do that as an actor I very rarely put pen to paper with stuff I, and I don't know why it's just part of my process because i uh you know i I, I just work different I work differently like that and so but this time I did that i like, wrote things down and I was going through the script and I was making notes on how this and this, and here's my arc. And here's where I, where I, you know, here's my character flaw and all these things. And then I get on set and we start shooting scenes and I think we shot for 18 days straight. And every day, the only note I got from the director from Rory Mm -hmm. was we just want to see the guy that we cast yeah. We just want to see that. And, and my, you know, my, my response to that was, but I, but I'm so much smarter now, you know, I say, like, I know so much more about all these things. Right. But so what I wasn't, what I didn't rely on was that guy, the guy they saw was the guy they wanted. Now, granted, uh, in, in favor of what I'm saying, I mean, I read three scenes, so there was so much more to this character that I did have to develop. So when, and and Rory understood because when I would say well hey I didn't even know this scene existed so you want the guy that you saw in the audition but I wasn't allowed the opportunity to do this scene you know what I mean so it's so there was this kind of back and forth and not and it wasn't tense but it was I knew when I walked onto set every day you know I have to be that guy and so and the and the only reference point I had was was my read was my tape so you know, I'd go back to my hotel room and I would look at, I'd rewatch my audition, you know, and, and try to let that be the thing now. So, you know, suddenly it wasn't about watching a, a documentary on the civil war. Now it was a, watching a documentary on how I was and what I did, you know? And so right. that challenge is, is that I would say that's the biggest challenge is, is, and I, and I, I believe I did overcome it in, in the sense that now I know when I read for something, it it's either right or it's not, you know, and, and how that's kind of trickled down into my submissions is that I know, like if I can't get a part in like five takes, three to five takes, hopefully in one, but if I can't get in three to five takes, I'm already thinking in my brain, okay, somebody else is going to get nailed this in one, you know? And so I know which characters, you know, and, 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 and as far as development goes, I mean, maybe maybe I need to know a little more information about this character to get it right or something. But I, I generally know, like, when I'm right for something and when I'm not. Um, and so that challenge, you know, overcoming the challenge then kind of creates its own other little challenges, right? You know, and so... It's just an ongoing business. I mean, it's like what I've realized about this business necessarily is is nothing is ever going to go the same way twice. I mean, your emotion you might feel emotionally elated or grateful or for something, but it will never go the same way twice. It is not an office job, you know, it is not a factory job, it is not a warehouse job. It is not a job where you go in there and you clock in and you do the same mundane thing. That's what makes it incredibly exciting. But when you work a lot, and I've been very fortunate to do so, it, it can be a little tricky, you know, cause you're, you, you know, sometimes you just want something to go the right, you know, the same way, you know what I mean? We so, you know, I, I mean, it's, uh, uh, patterns are patterns help us, you know? And so that's tricky for me, you know, cause, um, no, I get, I, I'm a I... very, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm with you completely. And I think the, the sum of it is, is when you come from theater, um, you can, um, you have to kind of be big because people aren't able to see the detail. And when you're on camera, the camera can zoom in, can focus on your eye line, they can focus on your facial expression in a way that won't be yeah. appreciated in theater. So having that as an obstacle that you overcome, how does that translate to you today with, with with what challenge you're facing right now as an actor.
1: Well, it's interesting what it, what it means for me today is that a lot, you know, when I did theater, I, I booked a whole lot of, I was booking, I booked leads. You know what I mean? I was the, I was the young man. I was the, was the ingenue, you know, I was the young and I was, I was usually a lead because I could fill that space. I was brave enough and I took risks and I was so, you know, and, and in these community theater areas, you know, it's like I was a, Considered a great actor. I mean, I had, you know, Strasberg was one of my teachers. Uh, Pacino was one of my teachers. Uh, when I went to New York University, I studied with uh, the Atlantic Theater Company. I started with W. H. Macy and, and David Mamet and all and all those guys. And so, you know, I have a lot of experience. I have a lot. I have a tool belt. You know, and 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 I didn't choose to stay in New York or L. A. or anything like that. I kind of moved in these smaller communities, and so. I realized, you know, and and I, and it, it makes me sound like I'm trying to rise, be above everything, but it's like, I, just by experience, I saw that I had more experience than most people. And so, you know, I would get cast in these big parts and, and, and so it made me. It, it really helped me fulfill that feeling of like, well, I'm an actor. I'm not just, I'm not getting the second Bush to the left. You know what I mean? I am, mm-hmm. I am actually Tybalt or I am actually Mercutio or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pale and burn this. And, and so it gave me a lot of confidence because I thought, okay, I can fill this stage. I can do this. And it, and it, it, it helped me take those risks it allowed me to take those risks. Um, now in film and TV, I've discovered, you know, when speaking of that challenge, and as I've gotten older and as my look has changed and as my approach has changed, I'm really character now. And now I'm more of a character actor. And so filling the space, it's – again, it goes back to it's not about – I mean, it, it, what it's more about is just being that character. You know, um, the, 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 the quirk, whatever my quirks are in life are the quirks that this character – is going to have because that's, that's the truth. And so I think in theater, you know, you're allowed to play more, you're allowed to experiment more with character development and, um, and just fine tuning, you know, a process uh, that you eventually have to throw, throw the fuck away because, <laughs> you know, uh, right the process should become inherent at that point. You know, it's just what you do. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? I, Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine being an actor here. I am 40 years later and still, you know, doing the same thing that I, you know, approaching things the same way I did 20, even 10 years ago, you know? Um, So I, I, you know, I try to use that, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be moving forward and, you know, the process of moving forward means that you're going to encounter new things, maybe sometimes before other people or, you know, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for it. You know, I, those who know me don't think I am, but. <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, well,
0: you mentioned learning with so many people um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and sort of studying the craft from them. I'm curious, uh, what are the two best pieces of advice you have received, uh, so far in your career and who did they come from?
1: The first bit of advice, there's two bits of advice that I got that I kind of, you know, I mean, all of my training is really in my brain, kind of an anecdotal. Um, and what I mean by that is I know, what I have inside me. I know my emotional life. I'm very much in touch with that. So when I have to, when I'm presented with a challenge on set or in something, I always tend to go back to something that somebody said to me or yeah, advice. And so, um, when I was, uh, I was about nine, um, and it was, I was in class and, and Pacino, Al Pacino was one of the guest teachers. And, uh, I looked at it, and it kind of goes in with the answer, to what I said earlier. Um, and uh, my, one of my questions to him was I said, uh, How long does it take to be a good actor? And he looked at me and he said, 20 years. <laughs> and moved on. And so there I was at nine going, Fuck, 20 years. Jesus, that's a I'm fucking 20. I'm gonna be 30 years old. What do you mean, 20 years? I don't remember. And so that not having the answer to that question it kept it the question in my brain and then i got to be about Uh, 30 it got to i got to be about 30 and i realized exactly what he meant and what he was talking about was emotional life because there he is i mean this is al pacino you know when he's i mean he was in his heyday it was like i think this was like you know uh Dog Day Afternoon era uh, Al Pacino you know and he comes in and he's looking at a 9 year old kid and that's his short answer 20 years and and without explaining it it was almost like I mean he knew like you're going to figure this out in 20 years and so when I got to be about 30 and what I re- what I realized what he meant was is you have to have an emotional life you have to have developed an emotional life in order to mirror it and play it, you know, and what kind of emotion, I mean, when I was nine, I did have a pretty big emotional life at the time. Um, but I didn't have one, the same emotional life that I had when I was 29 and, and to go a little deeper into that answer, what he meant was, is that, and I've done research on this. And so I, I, but like, you know, our lives, you know, it's like, I, I, I kind of, uh, match astrology to this in a sense. And it's like every 20 years, you know, it, it takes about 20 years to kind of go through all of the emotions that we're going to go through as human beings, you know, your fear, your loss, your love, your anxieties, you know, and you can either play those things the same way your entire life, or you can figure out other, you know, a 19 year old person who loses a girlfriend is not going to feel the same way at 29 when they lose a girlfriend, so to speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's going to yeah. be, and, and because at 29 they're going, Oh yeah, this has happened to me before. You know what I mean? So you kind of get a little worn down with some of this stuff and some of that stuff goes away, but the 19 year old is going, Oh my God, my life is over. You know what I mean? And so it, it, you know, every 20 years, you know, we face these things. I mean, there's, there's only 36 dramatic situations in life really. And, We face them all the time. They present themselves differently and sometimes there's secrets and all, you know, and things kind of go a little differently, but pretty much the same, we get faced with the same stuff all the time. Um, And so it's just how we approach it and how, you know, am I going to do this? Am I going to keep doing this? Am I going to keep reacting to this the same way that I did? 20 years ago when it didn't do me any good, you know, Mm -hmm. or when it did, you know, and maybe I reacted a great way 20 years ago that now I can't react that way. Why? Because the players involved are different and they're not accepting of how it's going down. You know what I mean? So as far as uh, advice, I mean, yeah, knowing just giving time and being, um, you know, I think how that kind of translated to me was, uh, there is no rush, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I think, you know, for me, those 20 years were spent. I was really on that quest. And then when I figured the, you know, when I found, when I found the, 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 the gauntlet, I realized, I went, oh, that's what he meant, you know? Right. Um, any other piece of advice? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go. Yeah. The, the other piece of advice, um, uh, I'm just going to name drop on this one. It was, uh, from, WH sure. uh, Macy, yeah. WH Macy, um, I was, um, he said so many great things. He said so many great things that I still use to this day uh, as reminders. Um, uh, and I'll, one was, uh, he said, you know, if you want to be a theater actor, this is at a different time, right? This is early 90 or this is 89, 90. So this, this is before the internet, before social media, before, you know, uh, And he said, you know, if you want to be a theater actor, if you want to be a a, a star on Broadway, move to New York. If you want to be uh, a movie star, uh, move to California, move to Hollywood. If you want to be an actor, you can be anywhere. And I took that. And I, I really, when he said that, I went, you know what? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. You could, you know, I'm an actor anywhere. And so that's what led me kind of down that theater path. Cause I said, well, anywhere. And so anywhere I, I, I was able to, I didn't, I didn't keep myself in New York and I didn't keep myself. And I didn't think I have to be in LA is, you know, and I, as much as m- many people told me that I would need to be in LA, you know, I just said, well, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to be in Phoenix, Arizona for a while, or I'm going to be down here in the keys, you know, but what the challenge was for me then was, is to anywhere I went, I always found acting. I always gravitated towards that, whether it was, uh, you know, community theaters at a church or, you know, and I'm, I'm not religious in any way, but like I would just find productions, you know what I mean? So no matter where I was. So that was the challenge. And and it was based on that advice. It was based on that. If you want to be an actor and that's what I wanted to be. That's what I realized. It's like I just want to be an actor. I don't want to be a movie star. Sure. Would that be great? I guess whatever. It presents its own challenges and, and hiccups and everything. Um, do I want to be a Broadway star? Not necessarily. I don't really like working 25 days a week. Um, (laughs) you know, uh, 25 days a year, you mean, well, no, I mean, well, I mean, when you're in a play, I'm just saying, it's like, you're working all the time. Oh yeah. I see what you mean. Oh, so yes. Yeah. Like I, I was. I, I said 25, maybe I should have said eight. It would have played that <laughs> joke a, bit, a lot better. But,
0: no, I'm just uh, lame you know I mean? and missed it, so my bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and theater, it's like theater for me. I love theater and I love doing it, but it's just not what I want to be doing all the time. You know what I mean? I yeah. I, I, I like the idea of just jumping into things and being the guy and, and doing that. So I think so the thing I just, that's you know, at, at at so night-
0: um, interesting about that advice too, it's so sneaky good because... And by the way, William H. Macy has been like a common thread across many of our uh, guests on the podcast, but, um, interesting, it forces the listener, the, the person that's receiving the advice to yeah. decide to, William H. Macy gets to find out whether that person is in it for the right reasons based on the answer they that you give.
1: know what it's, and that's very true. And, and I didn't necessarily look at it, it that way at the time because you know, you're in the class and, and, and how could a, how could an acting teacher be trying to you know, get me to think that way. I mean, I'm here paying, and I want you know. But you're you're right, because ultimately, I mean, you know, and and what are the right reasons? You know what I mean. The right reasons or whatever hold true to you. You know what I mean. And and I don't ever you know if, if I know I know plenty of people, and I, I've met plenty of actors in my life that they want to be stars. Now that's great. That is great. I think that's a bigger hurdle than just being an actor. I agree. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's like And that's the thing I didn't. Necess- so it's almost like a tiered thing. Like there we were in New York and he was saying, hey, if you want to be a Broadway star live in we're already in New York. So there's that. If you want to be a movie star, move to L.A. OK, well, I'm not. I, I still have to continue college. I'm not going to be in L- L.A. anytime soon. Or if you just want to be an actor, you can be anywhere. Oh shit. I'm sitting right here right now. I'm an actor. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. location for the, and that it, it, what it did for me was it made me realize like, okay, there are no more middlemen. I am calling myself an actor right now because I can do it whenever I want, you know, and, and I can proceed however I want, you know, I didn't have to wait to get an agent, uh, or a manager or you know, uh, get an apartment in in New York. I mean, I was living on campus, so it's or off campus, but I was you know school housing. But it would you know what I mean? Like I didn't have to do any of those things. I could so choice three. I could just be an actor. I could be anywhere. Yep, that's the one I'm going to take. So in a way, I mean, I, I was kind of taking the easy way out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But ultimately, what it did, as and you're right, it made me decide okay, well, you know what? Because if I'm still just an actor, I can still be a movie star one day. I can still be on Broadway one day. I don't have to look at it. You know, like I said, it's like, if you're just going right for film, okay, well, why don't you try to be an actor first? You know what I mean? It's like, almost like you're jumping so far ahead, you know? Um, and I, I don't, you know, and I don't know about, you know, cause that's the advice I would give to actors. And I would say, <clears throat> you know, if you decide to be an actor, do it right now. Start calling yourself an actor. You know, cause I used to, I teach, I teach a lot of workshops now, but, um, but I used to teach uh, with Nashville acting studio here and, you know, I would get these very green, very bright eyed students that would come in and they'd say, you know, well, I, I want to be an actor and I want to be acting. And I, and I would say, Hey, look, let get rid of that language. Just call yourself an actor. I am an actor. You started, you started taking acting classes today. You're an actor now. Because that's how I'm gonna look at you. That's how I'm going to treat you. And that's what I'm going to expect of you. You right. know? I don't I I sway on that. I sway on that. Cause I don't know if that's necessarily true. Cause I do now, you know, see I I think you do have to have some kind of training. You do have to have some kind of formal input. To really call yourself an actor. And, and the reason I say that is because I can't, you can't just sit there and call yourself a chef because you know how to make toast and burn some bacon, mm-hmm. right? You actually have to take some classes before you have to t- become a chef. You actually have to jump into the fire, be in a restaurant, take the heat to really be an actor. So, I mean to be a chef. So – you know what I mean? So it's it's you know I, I use acting and, and the restaurant business, uh, the acting business and restaurant business, I, I equate greatly because I I think there's so many similarities and they run parallel in so many ways. Um, right,
0: especially in the sense that anybody who has an oven can cook, but that doesn't make you a chef. And
1: that's know. exactly right. And and so you know, I, and I think for for where I was and in, in teaching, and it's it's just really about, like I said, getting these students that would come in and they're. They're nervous is all fuck all, you know what I mean? And and Mm -hmm. so it's just about it's just about relaxing them, you know what I mean? Like I'm not as your teacher, as your coach, as your ally. I am not judging you. You've already taken the step, so I'm not going to judge you. But let's not, you know. When I when as a teacher, you know, when I'm teaching, like when I hear somebody say, "Well, I want to be doing this," that's when that it's like, okay, you're putting a lot of middlemen in the way here. It's like, no, you are it. OK, let's just speak on that level. I'm treating you like you are now. You know what I mean? Now, in the real world scenario, I may not, I may not cast you in something or I may not think you're a great actor. But in this scenario, I'm going to do the, my damnedest to get you to that point where you're trusting yourself and trusting your decisions to do this. You know, it's not an easy it's not an easy decision, I don't think. I really don't think it's an easy decision, especially as you get older. You know, it was very easy for me because I was eight years old and my mom one day said, hey, do you want to take some acting classes? And I said, yeah. And then the next week or two weeks later, I was I was at Strasbourg, you know, and so it was very easy for me at that time. And and when they would say, hey, you're a monkey or you're a giraffe or you're a gorilla or you're whatever, a lion, I would just do it. You know, there was no inhibitions. As you get older, you start. Oh my God, is this the right path? Is this the right thing I'm doing? I mean, I have bills to pay. I have people who care about me. They don't want to see me do this. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, it, I think it, it really depends on where you are in life. You know, it's like how, how you can approach that. Am I an actor thing, you know, uh, and kind of where you, what you're doing.
0: So as a, as a teacher, you know, sort of mentoring these, these younger actors, these like you said, bright eyed actors. Uh, what yeah. would be one piece of advice you'd, you'd give them right now?
1: Take risks. Take risks. That's, I mean, that's all I can say. And, and I mean, uh, there is, there is so little that is in our control. Um, there is so, there's so very little. And the only thing that we can do is take a risk. And if you fail, fail a hundred percent fail hundred percent because sometimes you're failing hundred percent is actually what they're looking for. You have right. no idea. Right. You know what I mean? And until you take that risk and until you fail, you're not going to know what the other side of that is. You're not going to know, you know, I mean, how many times do you walk out of an audition room with the director casting and you have no idea what you did, but right. if you can walk out of there, if you can walk out of there and know in your heart of hearts, I took a risk. Now they may never call me again. <laughs> you know what I mean? I may yeah. have, I may have completely embarrassed myself, but guess what? I took a risk. And, and I'm not saying take risks in order to embarrass yourself or to do that. I'm saying take the risk because you have no idea where the fuck that's going to land. You know what I mean? You have no idea where it's going to land they're not, good. they're not in your brain. They're not seeing you taking a risk, right? So why not take a leap? You know, I see a lot of actors play it very safe. They think they, especially new ones, they, they don't know they're, they're inhibited. They don't, you know, in, in our social climate, it is not appropriate to just cry on a bus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not appropriate to feel things. And, you know, we, we have to stifle these things and they get suppressed and, Uh, And, you know, and so they come into class and it's like, no, this is the place to do that. This is the place to do that. And it takes a while for some and it takes very little time for some others. You know what I mean? Um, And I think you have to kind of experience it for a while. I mean, I think, you know, with young actors, it's also time. You know, another thing is like, what am I going to tell you? It's like time. I mean, there are so very few people who can just walk into a room and have that thing without some training. You know what I mean? Some people are can't say prodigies because i mean it's like you know i think the way i look at acting i don't think anybody's a prodigy at acting you could be at piano uh but acting i mean a prodigy i think the way to describe that is like you're very much in touch with your emotions and you very and you know exactly how to analyze a script and you know how to do all these things immediately sure there are a few that do that and know how to do that but it it takes time you know um the one frustrating, you know, uh, subject matter when, when teaching is when I get these actors or I would get actors and I hate to say these actors, I don't mean to, but it's when I would get an actor come to me and say, uh, okay, I've been taking classes for two or three months now. I feel like I'm ready. Do you know of any good agents?
0: <laughs> okay so, think, le, so let me so let me jump on that yeah. a little bit um sure because that's interesting because the next thing i was going to ask you is what are the biggest creative and business mistakes you see newcomers making
1: okay sounds like well, like you are going it. with it yeah yeah um a any acting class i have ever taken in my life and i've taken a lot never once not ever 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 did I ever ask my acting scene analysis coach, voice coach, dance instructor? Not once did I ever ask them any questions about business. Because mm-hmm. once you start talking business to your acting coach, you have missed the boat. Interesting. Expound upon that. There, I, because. I'll tell you why and I'll expand upon that by telling you I have never once talked to my agent or my manager or production who's paying me. I've never talked to them about acting. Do you think my agent wants to hear about my emotional range? No. <laughs> they want to know if I'm fucking available and if I'm willing to take the day rate, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and so that's the best way I can explain it. It's like compartmentalized. If you're in a scene study class Just because, you know, and I understand, and I and look, granted, they're seeing me. It's a small town, it's a small community, it's growing exponentially. But they see me, they see a guy who has who who works. I've done, I've been, you know, my IMDb is getting bigger, uh, it's all happening. So they want that personal advice. But asking me that in the context of this is an acting class, you're missing the fucking point you should be filling every part of your brain with character development and analyzing a script and seeing how you can develop as an actor and and you know can you cry can you laugh can you be angry convincingly can you do these that's what we're here to talk about now there are business of acting classes that Mm -hmm. i don't see i don't see happening here in in nashville and that's actually something i've actually considered getting into yeah um but that's where you have those conversations, not, you know, and, and I get what they're saying. And cause wh- how I take it is I got an actor that's, you know, maybe they're in class for six months, you know what I mean? And, and I've been giving them a lot of good constructive feedback or they've been taking it constructively. And so in their mind, they're like, okay, they feel ready to ask that question of me. Hey, do you know I have any good agents? You know, I think personally I go, well, um, you don't want me, your acting coach to be the one making that connection for you. That's, that's where now being an actor relies, you, it you have to do that. You're the one who has to go hoof it and go meet agents and go do that. Now I can give you advice as to, uh, you know, I mean, you know, and I had an actor once say, well, who's the, who, who's the best agent in town? And my advice on that is the one that doesn't piss you off and the one that you don't piss off. You know what I mean? There are no better agents. There are some agents that work. They have different methods and how they work and how they do things. But there's not one agent that's better than the other, you know? I mean, it's the one that when they call you, you guys have a decent conversation. The communication is there. And when you hang up, you're not rolling your eyes going, fuck, why am I with this person? You know what I mean? That's the best agent. That's the best. That's the best partner there. Um, uh, so, I mean, as far as like, you know, uh, biggest mistakes actors make in that way, was was uh, that answer like a
0: combination of the creative and the business? Or would you say that was, that was the business mistake they made?
1: Well, that's a, that's a, I mean, I don't know if it's a business mistake because it's a mistake they're making in an acting class. And again, I, I would hate to say that's a business, but I mean, I guess it's a, it's a business mistake. I mean, um, and I guess maybe I am kind of blending these questions, uh, which is totally okay, by the way. So yeah, but so I think, I mean, you know, uh, actors. I, I I think you know, I think it goes a lot deeper. I mean, it's like you know, somebody somebody years ago called me an anomaly, and uh, in this town because of of my experience and, and and because of of my background, you know, and and it's kind of hard being that guy because at at sometimes I'm. I feel like I'm talking to, to, you know, when I get asked my advice or I, I feel like, am I talking way above their heads? You know what I mean? Or, or, you know, and so I've, I've always tried to, for lack of a better way of saying it, dumb it down a way, you know, in a way that it's not, it don't, I'm not, you know, talking about myself in some grandeur way. Cause it's not, it's not grand, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, I just happen to have more experience and I happen to be in Nashville, Tennessee. You know, and this is where I choose to be. And, and ironically enough, I mean, the South blowing up in the way it has in the last decade or less, less than a decade, um, especially the last five years, I made the right move. I was in the right place at the right time, probably the only time in my life (laughs) Mm -hmm. where I was ever in the right place. Because if I was in LA right now, knowing that Atlanta was happening, I could be pissed off. Right. I'd be thinking, Oh my God, I, my whole life, everybody said, go to LA, go to LA. Go, and I did. And, you know, and now it's all happening <laughs> back on the East coast, you know, in the South. So mm-hmm. I think that was probably one of the best decisions I made was just staying here. You know, um, you know, it's funny, my, my, uh, my ex-wife, the mother of my child, uh, uh, Caroline, she, she uh, runs and owns uh, Nashville acting studio. Um, you know, uh, we were together at that point when I kind of made that transition from theater to film and, um, and I say transition because looking back on that in hindsight, it was a transition for me. Uh, because most of my life was spent going from theater gig to theater gig to theater gig, occasionally booking a commercial, occasionally booking a TV thing. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't my goal. I just thought those things would come somebody. I always felt like I was going to get discovered. You know what I mean? That's how I wanted to approach it. I thought, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this play in front of eight people and somebody in that audience is going to know Spielberg. You know what I mean? I, I just, that's, and, and that kind of led to me not promoting myself very well. I wasn't. You know, I didn't handle it that way. I just thought I'm going to let the work speak for itself and somebody's going to see this shit and, you know, they're going to nab me. Now, there were times that that did happen. Somebody would see a play or they would see something I did and they'd go, hey, you know, I've got a commercial. Were these were these uh, were they life changing financially? No. But there were times when one thing led to the other. Um, But when I so I was at this this kind of crossroads because I wasn't doing a lot of theater here. I wasn't getting cast in things. You know, Nashville is a very small town. Um, and I think, you know, I don't, for whatever reason, you know, I wasn't getting as many, I wasn't booking as much theater wise, seasonal, you know, for a lot of these larger theater, you know, companies here in town. And I remember one, oh, and I think it was, there was a specifically, I didn't get cast, uh, Tennessee Repertory Theater, I think it's their Nashville rep, Nashville rep now. Tennessee Repertory Theater was doing a, um, uh, they were doing Glengarry, Glenn Ross by David oh, Mamet. I love it, And I think it was the, yeah. And I think it was like the 25th anniversary of the play, right? So it was a big deal, like inherently inside the, you know, and I didn't get cast in it. And that to me was a blow. That was a personal blow. And I hate admitting the blows, but that was a blow because I thought I studied with David fucking Mamet. You know what I mean? I studied with the guy who wrote this fucking play. Here it is, the 25th anniversary of this play, and I'm not getting cast in it in Nashville, Tennessee, right? And it was a big blow for my ego, probably primarily. But then when that dissipated, it was a blow of like, well, what am I going to do, right? If now I'm not getting cast in Glengarry Glen Ross, what am I going to do as an actor? What the fuck am I going to do in this town? You know, and I remember I was going off on it and Caroline looked over at me and she said, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, I said something, I think to preface, I said, I said something like, you know, I've been acting for 30 years and blah, 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 blah and I can't believe nobody blah, 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 blah. and she just kind of blankly looked at me and she said, you know, I wouldn't brag about being an actor for 30 years if nobody knows who the fuck you are. <laughs> right. 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 I, I thought about that and I was like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and so right from that, you know, hey, lesson learned. Right. You know what I mean? At least I could admit it. But the thing is, is that right from that, it still what it didn't saw. It, it put my ego at bay. It put all the other things at bay. But what it did not answer was, OK, what are you going to do now, motherfucker? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do now? This is your chosen path. I knew it. I knew at nine years old, this is what I was going to do forever. I knew this. Um, and at that point I was like, what am I going to do? You know, right. are we going to, are we going to, you know, we couldn't leave now. I mean, she had a business here, you know, we were on, on the way to getting married, uh, you know, and it was like, I was setting up shop here, you know, domestically. And I thought, okay, what am I going to do if I'm going to stay in Nashville? What? And it was the answer kind of came pretty quickly and it was like, get an agent and start doing film and TV, you know, start putting yourself out there, focus there. And luckily enough, I'm not kidding, Chris, like maybe four, four or five months after that, that's when I started booking a whole bunch of TV stuff. I booked Banshee, uh, booked a couple episodes on that. And so, and it was, and, but what I had to do was completely change my way of thinking about my own career. Like okay yeah you're right and it made me realize like with with all due respect it made me think like yeah you know what this community theater is rinky dink shit compared to what I want so to harken back to what Macy said about do you want to be an actor do you want you know what I mean do you want to be, be in L A and do you want to be at that point that what I was challenged with was you know what I don't want to just be an actor I want to be known now because that's what exactly what I was saying in a roundabout way to Caroline I was saying. I've been doing this for 30 years. Right. And so the subtext of that was me saying, where's my due? You know what I mean? I've paid my dues. Where's mine now? And that was a trans, you know, that was a bit of a transition for me because I, it it made me kind of have to go like, okay, yeah, I do want a little more for what I'm doing now. You know, I, I do want a little more recognition. Um, and so that was probably one of the best, moves I could have ever made you know and and with all due respect to with her helping me out on that in the way she did um and uh funny enough it's like after a couple years of doing just you know not doing theater and not focusing on any live performance stuff not putting myself out there not making myself available for it it meant I was going to be acting a whole lot less Right. You know, and that was tricky. That was a tricky transition. So I think it was like a two years after I made that decision. Uh, a friend of mine was doing a play here in town that he had written. And I went and ri- And I said, you know what, I'm going to go read for a play. I was jonesing to do some theater and I did some, and I auditioned and I booked it and we had months of rehearsals, like two months of rehearsals. We were fortunate enough to have it. And uh, I was playing like six different characters And I'm going to tell you something, man. It was hard. It was really hard to get used to being back in a situation where there we were for hours on end rehearsing something. Mm. And, you know, and now I'm rehearsing and now I'm sitting here watching another scene be directed. And what what do you mean, director? I am this character, right? And so I had to switch back. I had to take off that hat where it was like, okay, I'm I'm now not the guy that you want. Not the guy, but I'm not now I have to be a little more malleable, you know what I mean? in for yeah. this, because now I have to get, now I'm going to be sitting here getting directed. I'm going to, you know, um, and, and Hey man, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you the only acting gig I've ever been fired from was that, was that play. They fired me. <laughs> they fired me after like two, two, maybe two and a half months of rehearsal. They fired me a week before we opened. Uh, I had booked right. a show called a, a show called revolution. um, and I was shooting and I was going to miss, I think, uh, a dress rehearsal or a, a tech through or something like that. And the, the director called me, uh, like six days before we were supposed to open and fired me. That's and yeah. yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how that made me feel. Cause I was, but you know what I did do? I said, Hey universe, I got you now. You told me not to do theater a couple of years ago. I tried. You know what I mean? So I turned that into a positive thing. Yeah, fuck those guys for firing me and fuck them for not realizing what they had. But my point is on on, on a larger level <clears throat> is what it did for me is I didn't just sit back and salt. I went I, – I sulk. I, I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm not doing theater. I, the only time I can do theater is when I can devote enough time to it and really put camera work at bay and say, hey, agent, hey, manager, I'm taking the next six months off and I'm doing a play. You know what I mean? That's the only way you can really do it um yeah. because it, they in don't itself, want
0: they, that's good advice too right to to find that silver lining
1: in something bad exactly well i mean i and that's just me i mean it's me specific you know what i mean i can't say that everybody else can do that because i know a lot of actors that try to do it all and they just can't understand why their agent is mad at them because they're taking 4 months or 2 months out of their time to, because your agent now can't submit you if you've suddenly made your agent or managers or production's job harder that is not a good sign. They do not want that. You need, like I said, you need to hit the ground running. And so, you know, if your agent is saying, hey, I'd love to submit you for this, but, you know, and then you book and you submit and then you're also committed to a play. And then you're booking this thing because production, you never know. They, You know, I'm supposed to shoot this Thursday. I, I don't even believe I'm in the damn thing until I see it on TV or in film. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, don't even, I don't even go as far as to believing that I have the part yet until I'm, I'm actually seeing myself in it. So they tell me right now I'm shooting Thursday. I don't believe that I'll, I will head that way. I will go according to plan. But if suddenly they say, okay, we're not shooting Friday now we're, or Thursday, or now we're shooting next Monday, I go, okay. And that's, that's a challenge too, because it's like, if you like your, like I said earlier, it's like, if you like your life to have a pattern, you know? I mean, when I shot Ant-Man, uh, I booked Ant-Man about three, I was supposed to, they booked me for, I think they booked me out for like four weeks on Ant-Man and it was the entire month of September they booked me out for. It was like September 1st through the end of the month. I had to be in Atlanta. Now I could try, I could travel back home occasionally, but they, I was on a weekly contract Mm -hmm. and three days before I was supposed to leave. I hadn't heard anything. Didn't hear about nothing. You know, I mean, I was occasionally getting messages from production, uh, but they—they, they, I get an email or a phone call or something like three days before I'm supposed to leave, uh, and they say, "Hey, uh, TB, TBD, because the schedule's changing. We no longer need you for the month of September." Okay, and for them, it's a very easy call. They just go, "Hey, we don't need you." on my end, the ripple, the waves were like, that changed everything. I was, I could have worked in September. There were two gigs that I booked in September that I couldn't do because I was shooting Ant-Man. Now I'm not only out Ant-Man, but I'm also out these two other gigs, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh my God. Okay. So I'm thinking they're going to surely give me a call here in a couple days and I'll be back. Be- the entire month of September went by And nobody had an answer. Nobody knew what was going on. I wasn't finding anything anything out. Um, I mean, so much so that the casting director, uh, Jackie Birch, God love her, she, I think, reached out to me mid-September and said, hey, how's shooting going? And I said, "Um, I'm actually not shooting. They changed the schedule and I have no idea what's going on, you know? And she was like, hey, hang in there. Everybody's doing what they can. I was like, all right. It's a little scary to me, but okay, you know. Right. Because um, I thought at that point, well, it's going downhill now. The only thing I'm going to find out now is that my role was cut or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole month of September goes by, and at the end of September, I get a call, and they say, okay, we've rescheduled your month. Now you're, now you're shooting in October, the whole month of, of, of October. We'll see you in a couple days. Bye. <laughs> right? And so now I'm going, oh. Okay, so I just sat around for September to, and, and work that I booked for October because I was starting to cover, you know, mid-September, I'm trying to cover my bases for October now, right? And so I'm mm-hmm. booking gigs, and I'm taking gigs, and I'm taking auditions. And so now it's a whole new you know, uh, book of problems because now I've taken gigs that now I have to quit because now I've got Ant-Man coming. You know what I mean? Right, and so it was. It was a mind fuck, man. And I and, and I and I really don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but it's just that it's just as a human being, it's like that kind of shit can really fuck with you. Because let me tell you, October. You know what was October? My wedding anniversary, my son's birthday. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. that meant I was going to be missing now all these more personal things. September was great, <laughs> you know, but it's not going to. You know business is ever never going to cater to your to your schedule. Now I'll tell you a funny thing. And I may be saying too much because this is being recorded, but once I was in, uh, once I was in, um, uh, I was in Peachtree, Georgia filming, filming Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was, uh, <laughs> I was sitting in the lobby of the hotel and it was the world series. And there was the Kansas city Royals. Think. Yeah. It was Kansas city Royals. I forget who they're playing. Um, Probably they the watched. Braves, right? Maybe I don't. I don't even remember. I'm not. But I was there watching it in the lobby, and I don't know if you know the actor Martin Donovan. He's in in Ant Man. Um, mm-hmm. Big guy. He's been. He was in the end of the uh, until the end of the world. He's a big guy. You'd know. If, you'd know, if, you'd know if you know. Know if you saw his face. We're we're watching this. We're watching the you know the 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 game. I forget which game it was. It wasn't the last game, but it was one of the last ones. And uh, we're down in the lobby, and. You know, a bunch of crew and a bunch of other actors start, you know, piling in and we're all watching this. And all of a sudden on the screen in the audience is Paul Rudd, (laughs) Ant-Man himself, wearing a big old fucking Kansas City hat. And I was like, oh, And And then. I, you know, it wasn't Martin, but somebody else said, yeah, that's the reason why the schedule got messed up or changed in the last month or so. And I said, what are you talking about? And they said, yeah, because now I don't know if they're talking out their ass and I hate to repeat stories that, you know, that aren't true, but it made sense. And it's, and even if it's not true, it's still a funny story, but they said, yeah, uh, Paul Rudd apparently. He's a huge Kansas City Royal fan, and it came down to if they made the World Series, he, he was allowed to have time off to go attend the games. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, okay, so they catered to his schedule. So when I said earlier, you know, like they'll they'll never cater to your schedule. Well, if you're fucking Ant Man, they will. You know what I mean? Right. If you're if you're in that top two percent of actors, yeah, that's when that stuff, that's when you can start calling shots like that. Hey, you know what? No, my kid's graduating next week. I'm not gonna be available. You know, that's when you can start doing that. I even here at 40 years into this, I still have no say. In that, you know, and that can be frustrating because I'm, I'm an old guy now, you know what I mean? And you don't want to miss your
0: anniversary or your kid's birthday. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? I didn't want to miss my anniversary and I didn't want to miss my kid's, you know, second or third birthday. And But you know what? I mean, where, where in then is the sacrifice? You know what I mean? And, And you know, it's funny. I didn't miss my son's birthday. I didn't miss my anniversary. I was able to drive back. You know what I mean? Sure. I spent a lot of hours in the car driving back and forth. But, you know, I, I put a lot of anxiety into that. You know, I was thinking, oh, no, I'm going to, because you just never know when you're going to shoot something, you know, and I'll, and I'll give you another example. Um, I booked, Oh, uh, uh, we were talking earlier about like what I've got coming up. I've got an episode of Ozark. I'm going to be in the second season of Ozark. Awesome. Love it. And you. Yeah. Yeah. Great. One of the best experiences ever. Um, and, um, you know, I booked that back in March, shot that in March. And I've worked on some small things since then, but I've, you know, since March, so it was April, May, June, July, August. So here we are, like five, six months later. And I now booked MacGyver, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, so last week I get called for, you know, what's your availability for last Thursday? It was like I got the call like on Monday or something. What's your availability Thursday? And I said, hey, I'm totally available. Great. So I, I they check my avail, network comes back, they say we want them. My agent calls me and says, you booked the part, uh, except now they're shooting next Thursday. That's this coming Thursday, right? Well, right. guess what Friday is? My son's first day of school. <laughs> so you see what I mean? Right. It's, right. And so now I, now my anxiety, now the new anxiety for me is, okay, well, maybe maybe they'll shoot me early on Thursday so I can drive back Thursday night and still make it, you know what I mean? And so, and I, and I love my son. That's, that's, that is, I think, he'll be 7 in October. That is the only thing in my life that is really challenged you know, I said earlier, it's like I've, I've been wanting to be, an, I, I knew at nine that I wanted to be an actor my entire life. Having a child is the only thing that has really made me think differently mm. um, because it's, it's no fucking joke. You know, it's it's family. That's my kid. You know what I mean? And And, you know, I grew up, my dad was a touring musician my entire life, quite successful in the 70s and 80s. Um, and I mean, he toured for anywhere between 300 and 350 days a year. My dad missed a lot of birthdays. My dad missed a lot of, a lot of things. And I knew that I wasn't going to do that. Um, and as, as equally as strong as I wanted to be an actor and I knew I wanted what I wanted in my life, I also knew I'm not fucking doing that to him. I'm not going to leave and I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to try. And that's a struggle. That's, that's probably, you know, I'm probably leading into the next question, but, uh, but that's, that's the biggest struggle for me right now is, is, is that heart is, are the heartstrings? That's
0: that's fantastic. Well, the next question actually is something that would be right up your alley because you've been doing it, but you know, if you had one month to teach someone how to act, yeah. What are the first three things you would teach? So, so you're taking someone at, that's at zero and making them yeah. competent in one month. What are wow. the first three things you would teach them?
1: You know, that would vary from person to person because what I really try to do is see what what, what people walk in with. You know what I mean? Whether it's overconfident over, or no confidence at all, or you know, I, I what I really try to work on is. is is with people, with, with actors, individuals is what are their quirks? What are the things that make them, how do they see the world differently? Right. You know, how, what is it about you that makes you stand out? You know? Um, and so first and foremost, I, you know, so like I said, it's, it's really individual. And so I just see, you know, I mean, the things I look for is I, that, that's one of the first things. Okay. What are the, what is this person bringing in the room? you know, very much like an audition, you know, what are you going to bring in the room? Are you going to, are you going to walk in the room and, and, and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jesse James LeGourier. Or are you going to walk in the room and wait for them to ask you what your name is?
0: Right? right. Like,
1: yeah, what, yeah. what is the right way to do it? What's you know, what's the thing? Are you going to walk in? You know, I look at what they're wearing. Um, you know, it's funny. I look at people it just kind of in general and, and, and for me, and I don't know if other people do this and maybe I'm weird or maybe I'm, I'm right in line with it, but like, uh, I, 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 look at people that I don't know, like when I'm out in public, you know, grocery shopping or sitting in a coffee shop or whatever it may be. Um, and I look at somebody's style and what they're putting out there in the world, their energy. And I try to see, and what I see, I, people that wear, you've ever seen somebody where the energy they're putting out or what they're wearing or what their style is completely does not match what you're seeing. Mm hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a weird thing. I don't know. And, and many people, I think, kind of gloss that over. Because, and maybe they're better at be, for, for doing that because they just accept people for how they are. Um, but I, I really, truly want to see, like, what, and I can see that immediately. Like, okay, like, you know, there was a woman a couple years ago that I, and she came in and she'd worked a lot in this town. And she said, you know, I'm really bummed because, you know, she's beautiful and she's probably at the time she was maybe 50, 55, something like that. Um, divorced, grown grown children, and she had an agent here in town and she'd already worked on a few kind of, th- or let's say a few, a lot of kind of independent local things. And uh, she was really bummed because she was like, you know, I, I, I go out there and read for these. I, I, I don't book these soccer mom gigs. You know, I, I I don't book soccer mom gigs. And I was like, why the fuck would you want to be a soccer mom? <laughs> You're not a soccer mom. You know what you are? You're a MILF. Mm. you know what i mean you're a you're a a soccer mom i'd like to fuck yeah with all due respect to saying that you know what i mean right like right like know your type you know what i mean and 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 she was like well how do i do this i said well get some headshots where maybe you're where you know you're not because she was trying to fit herself into a market that is completely saturated with soccer moms right you know and i said no you've got a quirk your quirk is that you're hot you're sexy You've got an edge, right? Work on that. She gets some headshots where she's wearing a little more eyeliner. You know, maybe her shirt is different or something. It's a little more provocative. I don't know. Her hair is styled. It's a tussled a little more. It's not so straight looking, conservative looking. And guess what? She starts booking a whole bunch of shit. Yeah, exactly. And and that's and just about knowing your type. So the, for, for, so the first thing I would see, you know. First, the first thing you would thing teach is, is just work. like, what do you bring in, right? Yeah, what are you bringing in? Second thing, can you are you willing to change that thing if you mm. have to? How flexible are you? You know, what is your range here? Um, and that would be the second thing. What is the range? What is the emotional range of this person? What is the emotional like? What what can they handle? What can they not? You know, the first class, the first acting class Chris I ever took at Strasbourg, first acting class of my life. It's a three hour class on a Friday from I think it was like two to five or something like that. You know what I was for the first three hours of my acting existence? A glass of orange juice. They made us sit in a room in a chair and we all had to be glasses of orange juice. Yeah. So, and at nine, I was like, awesome. (laughs) You know what I mean? Try to get somebody who's like in their thirties, forties, fit, whatever, to do that in a smaller town they, what is that? What do you mean? You know, they're inhibited. They like, what, I don't know what that means. They're questioning it. No, just be it. Just be it. You know what I mean? So, what's their range? Are they willing to do that? Are they willing to take risks? Um, the third thing uh, I would think that I would work on them with is uh, memorization. You know, what can you, what, you know, how do we, you know, because not every... It's a, it's a muscle, you know? Memory mm. is a muscle.
0: And... and um, Do you mean memory in terms of remembering every single word on the script or remembering the gist of what's trying to be expressed by the writer?
1: I think all of it. I think really all of it. I mean, look, hey, you know, memory is, you know, some, like I said, not everything that's ever been taught to me is something I, I hold on to. You know, there are some things I wish I probably had. Uh, but I think the things that have stuck by now are some of the things, you know. Um, that, but I think with... with with lines per se, you know, working with them on, well, I shouldn't say memory as much as just being truthful. How, how am I going to get this person to be truthful and Mm -hmm. not act, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that goes into the memory thing because when you get somebody memorizing lines, it's very easy for them to, just make it sound like automaton robot because I've memorized them a certain way and they're going to go like this. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, no step out of that step out. You know, that's not the only way to memorize something, you know, but, but being truthful in the moment is again, not something that as humans we're conditioned to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what you need to do in acting, you know, and so being truthful, I think is the third thing. Just like, you know, what is your truth? What is the thing that makes you, um, ready to be, uh, seen? You right. know, um, I know it's, it's interesting. A lot of, a lot of actors, like they come in and, or they would come in and say like, Oh, I have a real hard time with crime. The biggest thing with actors is crying. That's, a, that's like, you know, it's like, that's the conversation. Oh, I can't cry, man. I haven't crossed that. I haven't jumped that hurdle yet. I don't know how to cry to cry, 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 cry. You know what? Just because, and I've seen actors make that breakthrough where they start crying and they're like, Oh my God. And it's like they go out and party with their friends afterwards because they finally had an acting breakthrough mm-hmm. and then they come back to the next class and I'm like, okay, you felt good about that. Right? Yeah. I felt good <laughs> about that. Yeah. Okay. You cried, you cried. You made that breakthrough, right? Yeah. I made that breakthrough. Okay. So what kind of tears were they? Huh? What do you mean? <laughs> what, what kind of tears were they there? There's different kinds of tears. People cry when they win the lottery. People cry when they lose a mother or a father. People cry when they break up with somebody. People cry when they don't get the job they want. What kind of tears were they? There's tears of happiness. There's tears of sadness. There's tears of excitement and there's tears of fear. Like what, you know what I mean? And and then, oh, well shit, I didn't know that exactly. Right. Now we're going further down the rabbit hole here, right? And so it's kind of scratching the surface when you say, oh, I learned how to cry. Great! <laughs> you know what I mean? That's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. There's a wide range of – there's also a wide range of, of, of happiness too. You could be happy that somebody was found dead in an alley. You could be happy that your kid won – you know, got, got to go to the school that he wanted to go to. You could feel happy when our present is impeached. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> There's different kinds of joy that, you know what I mean? So it's, um, it's just being able to express all that and never resting on the laurels, you know? Hmm. And also that. I think working, you know, working with actors, it's like, you know, I can kind of tell which ones really are going to stick to it and really are just there because they did some theater back in the day and they wanted to, you know, now they have a little more time because they're an empty nester and, you know, and they're trying to explore that. Hey, look, at, at whatever point in your life, you're ready to do it. Do it. Um, just don't do it because you think it's going to be fucking easy. You know what I mean? Right. You, you know, uh, nothing, uh, nothing that's worth, worth it is easy.
0: Right, just there to kind of check the box, um, yeah. In, in in their lives, I, I know you've dropped a couple of names here, which have been sure. great and meaningful. Um, so I don't mean that in any self serving way at
1: all. But oh no, um, it, it, it is what it is, and that's what I mean. Like you know, right. if I was in New York right now having this conversation, people would be like, "Yeah, big fucking deal, Al Pacino." Yeah, I saw right. him the other I saw him the other day buying avocados. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it, you know what I mean? It's not a big but you say that in other contexts, other circles, and it's like, Whoa, look at Mr. Pot Pants and it's like, wow. Yeah, well, you know what? Yeah. Sorry. I'm Sorry, I'm never, that's just my experience, you know what uh, I mean? Like that yeah. Sorry if the biggest person you've ever worked with was a college professor, I can't help that. Don't shoot me down for that, you know what right. I mean?
0: No, yeah, I'm I'm definitely not like that. To me, everybody's no, right just on. just people. But I am yeah. curious which creatives you most admire and want to emulate. And then part 2 mm. of this question is, what do they do from a technical or skill standpoint that makes their work stand apart?
1: Okay. Uh But like I said earlier, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted to be, I wanted to be Jack Nicholson more than anything else in the world. Um, And as I got older and as the business kind of changed, I realized there are no more Jack Nicholson's. There are no more Marlon Brando's, you know, Um, Uh, Marlon Brando was big for me growing up. Um, And I don't know why, because it wasn't really a technique thing. I think maybe I was just attracted to him. Maybe I just found him physically. I don't know what it was. There was something just so honest and believable uh, about him and the way it was introduced to me, you know, sitting in front of a TV or it was just. I don't know. There's something about that. Um, Al Pacino was huge for me too, um, growing up because it was somebody that at the beginning of my career, I really did feel like he was a mentor. Um, Mm -hmm. because I start, you know, not only was there, he was big on screen in front of me, you know, but he was also in class every Friday and Saturday, you know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. I tried to emulate him a little bit, tried to, you know, really kind of take his word as gospel and really listen. Um, I did that less with W. H. Macy. Macy at the time when I was at at, at New York University studying with them, he wasn't W. H. Macy at that point. Um, he was doing a lot of theater, a lot of like independent films with Mamet. You know what I mean? Um, he like Fargo had not come out yet. He hadn't done Fargo yet, so he wasn't W. H. Macy. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I got a good portion of his brain. Spent a lot of time with him um in class and out of class. You know what I mean? I got to hang out with him quite a bit outside of class. And so I just got to pick his brain. So he didn't affect me nearly as much as Pacino did. But growing up, you know, like Pacino, Brando, De Niro, Jack Nicholson, um, you know, uh, those cats growing up, that's what I that's the type of actor I wanted to be. That's what I want I wanted to be somebody that was just balls to the wall. Um and also that I'm Italian, you know, it kind of helped with the attitude. The fact that I was in New York, that, that edge, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be that edgy actor, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And growing up after, you know, after watching like kind of the heroes become um, caricatures of themselves, uh, unfortunately. Um, I mean, even Brando became a caricature of himself after a while, you know, and um, you know, De Niro kind of has slipped into this kind of what do you, you know, I don't really look forward to his stuff anymore. You know what I mean? I don't really look forward to seeing Pacino. Nicholson retired kind of under the radar uh, mm-hmm. almost a decade ago. um to retired today. Did he? He did. <laughs> did he really? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah wow. That's the that's So the heroes, I guess the late greats, I don't know, they've all... Kind of, you know, I mean, Charlie Chaplin, you know, I mean, I grew up, you know, I mean, seeing that like Laurel and Hardy, the three stooges, like these cats were the ones that kind of made me see like what was possible. I mean, because I think all those guys are fucking badasses as well. I mean, you know, of course, they played these happy kind of funny characters. They, it took a it takes a lot of a lot of sadness and a lot of remorse a lot of pain to get to play that shit, you know? Um, so, you know, I've always looked at acting as this kind of emotional struggle, you know? And so that's what I tried to emulate as I've gotten older. I mean, who, who these days, you know, uh, Sam Rockwell is big for me right now. Um, I like Sam Rockwell a whole lot. Now keep in mind all these perform, like people, I don't go and see everybody's performances. Um, I'm not that type of viewer. You know what I mean? I don't, I mean, there are some people I want to see there, you know, but there's a lot of these, a lot of guys that I can mention these days and I haven't seen all of their work, you know? Um, the only person I try to see, I didn't see his last film because it was just way too violent for me. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, Mm -hmm. some of the shit that guy's doing is unbelievable. And I don't, you know, and, and for me, it's like, I don't know if he's acting or if it's just what, I mean, of course he's acting because that's what he's being paid to do, but I just don't know. You know what I mean? Like I was really moved by that, uh, that mockumentary thing that they did. That uh, was fantastic. Still, I I'm tell still everybody here.
0: about that. I tell everybody it's, about that. And I'm like, if yeah, you didn't watch like, it, I, you, I was, you missed out.
1: Yeah. I was so blown away by that. You know what I mean? And, and I just could not fact tell. That,
0: I could not tell if it was real or
1: fake. Yeah. And, and, it, yeah and, and to be, to have that out there representing your work, you know what I mean? Or, or that's the thing. I didn't know if I was supposed to be judging him as an actor or as a human being. And then I realized after watching that, I knew, I knew by the end of the film that it was fake because, uh, who directed that? Uh, uh, Affleck, Casey F. Fleck, Casey Fleck. Right. Um, the guy who plays Joaquin Phoenix's father in that is actually Casey and Ben's father. Mm. It's not really Joaquin's uncle. Or hit, you know who was he looking for? Was he looking for his uncle? Who was he searching for? He was his, he was searching for his uncle or his father? I think and he was so. Taking, yeah. You know, yeah. And so that I knew. So at the end of that film, I was like, okay, wait a minute. I knew that wasn't Joaquin Phoenix's dad, or whoever. You know what I mean? Like, and and then it came out shortly after that it was you know Casey and Ben's father, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so it was, you know. But then I thought, okay. But yeah. still, what what Joaquin did there in that was. I didn't – yeah, like I didn't – like he put himself out there like, I don't care if you think I'm acting. I don't care if you think this is real. I don't – you know what I mean? Like it was just a piece of art. It makes me wonder if –
0: Shia LaBeouf's entire life is a mockumentary right now, and we're all being played.
1: Yeah, and again, I can't make heads or tails of that guy either. You know what I mean? I, Does he I really want to be a rapper, that, or is he? <laughs> well, I sense that he wants to do. He wants to be different. He wants to do something. I get that. I think he's in it to win it. I truly do. I don't think at the end of the day he's going to take his hat off or take his fake face off, and it's like, oh, hey, everybody, look, it was really, uh, you know, Seth Rogan, you know what I mean? Like, right. no, no, it's I not going to be one of those things. I think he's, I think he's just, you know what he's doing, man. He's taking risks. He's, and that's what I said earlier. Yeah, he's he taking risks. risks. Now he's taking them on a much larger level because now everything. I mean, Shia LaBeouf is a fucking meme now. Okay, you know what I mean. He's a fucking meme. But I, and, I like him. No, I do too. But you know what I mean. Like, that's what I'm saying. We're in a different time now, and 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 so the things. I mean, would Brando have been a meme? You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like so interesting to think, like, here we are in this different – the stuff that I wanted as an actor and the people that I wanted to be growing up and the things that – the people that motivated me and things that really drove me back in the day are not necessarily the same things that drive me today. You know what I mean? It's not really about other actors. Um, uh, You know – Heath Ledger's—I mean, of course—I haven't seen all of his work, but goddamn, that character—you know, the Joker was just fantastic. You and know Joaquin what I mean? Phoenix
0: so, is about to play the Joker, I believe. So cannot exactly wait to see him do right. That. That's going to be great.
1: I know, and that's brave, man, because especially like, who the fuck wants to play? You know, who who wants to play the Joker after him? Right, now, of course, of what's his face? Now. Yeah, of course. What's uh, the guy who played him in Suicide Squad did because that Jared Leto played him because I mean that guy's got an ego the size of fucking Mount Rushmore. But um, <laughs> that's a that's a task, you know, and, and and so people who so people who you know I mean I guess anybody I want to emulate the kind of work is just anybody who's willing to take a risk, you know, filmmakers. I mean I'm 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 really. Um, I think, if anything, what motivates me these days is music. You know, listening to music and listening to artists and that in 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 other mediums that really kind of what what get me going for what I do. Because for me, it's really hard to, you know, no. like uh, what's going to get me through shooting MacGyver on Thursday? Is it going to be Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Not necessarily, you know right. what I mean. Like, there's no room for that. You know what I mean. It's it's MacGyver. You know what I mean. And I don't want to. I don't want to minimize it, but it's not the same level, right? It doesn't have the same impact. And right. so I can't really use the influence these big, huge, deep, dark, edgy influences for some of the stuff that I get offered. You know what I mean? Um, because it just doesn't fit. You know. And so I tend to kind of gravitate towards music. Uh, listening to artists express themselves in that way. Because I think, you know, for, for a couple of years, I fancied myself being in a band. I sang for a band in, in was in Montreal uh, for a bit doing that. And um, I was the lyricist and the singer, lead singer. I didn't play any instruments. Um, and what attracted me to that was, is that, I got to tell my own story. So for so many years, it's like I was handed a script and said, "Say these words. Go over here. That's your light cue." You. What I really enjoyed about being in a band and being the singer and the lyricist was, is I was actually able to create a character for every song, and I was actually able to create my own ceiling. You know, um, and so, so I kind of gravitate towards that now, as far as and some of the stuff I listen to is is just straight up kind of post-punk new wave
0: you know who are you, who are you listening to these stuff.
1: days oh god you know these days uh i mean I've, I've always you know i mean i grew up hardcore rem fan because i thought michael stipe um i thought he did exactly that very theatrical right. man i thought he did that very well with his songs uh, and and his lyrics and you know pushed the envelope there um now do I listen to REM now? No. Do I go back and revisit those records? Yeah, sometimes, you know what I mean? But I think I kinda I think I kind of uh I I overdid it with them for a while. And so that's kind of the 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 model that I look at for for a band. You know what I mean? I look at the singer and what they're trying to do. And, and, um, there was another band and I'm not a big tool head, but I, I thought, I think Maynard James Keenan from tool, um, has that same, uh, approach where it's, it's theatrical. Every song is about something different now on a surface level. I get it. People are like, well, that's just angry frat rock. I get it. But (laughs) if you go deeper and you listen a little bit more and you kind of let all that stuff Go over to the site. You could see what somebody's trying to do there. You know, um, as far as bands today, I, I love MGMT. Um, mm-hmm. Been listening to them a whole lot. But you know, it's like I grew up on like Echo and the Bunnymen, New Order, The Cure. Duran Duran uh you know the Smiths so that that's that stuff I think is is always going to stay with me and that's the stuff I, I listen to a whole lot of, of just in my own free time um because I think all of those writers all of those lyricists they expressed themselves in a different way it wasn't this flat out you know let's do it you know type of it was just approaching you know um, I listen to uh, a whole. I like Interpol a whole lot. I think mm-hmm. Interpol is a great band, um, great New York band. The Strokes, one of my favorite bands. So, um, so it's kind of like you know that's that's kind of the genre I stick in. Like you know where where the lyrics aren't coming from like straight hit you over the head. You know I don't listen to rom coms. You know what I'm saying. I'm not listening to romantic comedy music. I'm listening right. to kind of the darker, the edgier stuff. For a while there, Radiohead did it. You know, uh for a yeah. while. I mean the Beatles, I mean the Beatles, if you think about the Beatles, man, I mean the Beatles put out eight records. Eight records and they changed everything. Yeah. With eight records. Think about their think about that transition from like Love Me Do to Let It Be. Right. I mean that was eight records. <laughs> that wasn't some lifelong, ex- that was eight years, that was like maybe eight or nine years of those guys' life. And they were able to accomplish all of that in that small amount of time. Yeah, Bowie did it. Yeah, you know what I mean? And like, and now, I mean, shit, it takes Radiohead eight years to put out a record. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, right. You, but so I think, that's, think a, about it in that, that's a, in that cult,
0: context, a, a t- sign of the times, though, where, where modern artists put out records so quickly that the, the way to be different is to put one out every eight years.
1: But that's what I mean. But you, so you look at the Beatles, you know, and it's like, okay, so in a, a span, an expanse of what was it like 60 something to 70 something? They put out those records, changed everything. Every time they put out a record, it was a new look. It was a different mustache. It was a different hairstyle, different bell-bottoms or whatever, you know, and then they did that all in eight years, and then you look at Radiohead, and they put out a record, yeah, like every decade. I mean, shit, Tool put out a record, I think it was, what, 15 years ago? We're still yeah. waiting for their next – I think it's their fifth record we're waiting for, you know, and that last one was 15 years ago, you know, and so right now it's like – and but the, what's different also, too – is with that, I mean, like Radiohead comes out with a new record and all of a sudden 100,000 new bands form. So anyway, so yeah, I kind of gravitate towards that, you know, as, as far as what influences me. Um, I like Otis Redding, Sam Cooke a whole lot. Uh, a lot of those kind of old r and I should say old, I mean, they're not that old, but I, they would be, I guess, by today's standards. Um, you know, Sinatra, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., I saw that. You know, the fa- film festival came through couple months ago. And, and I kind of stuck to watching documentaries, uh, because it just, it just felt like the storytelling in a documentary is, is just a different way of doing it. Um, there's an actor, yeah, guy by the name of, I think his name, I think his name is Jim White. I, I could be completely wrong. I think White, um, he that I saw, I it's, it's interesting cause I'm not, I'm not, it's very hard to move me these days visually. Um, cause I feel like I've seen it all. I mean, I tend to, if I want to be moved visually, I tend to kind of go back to the, the older stuff, you know what I mean? Like Hitchcock and all that stuff. And, um, but I'm, so anything that comes out new, I'm, I, I'm like, yeah, okay, let's see if this does it. You know what I mean? Mm, sometimes it misses the mark. I mean, you know, uh, but there's this movie called, uh, Oh, shit. I'm, 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 uh, oh, Thunder Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a short film that came out that was released a couple years ago. And it's this short film, maybe, I don't know, 15, 16 minute short film. And it's all one take. And I don't want to give it away, but I highly recommend looking for this. It's on Vimeo. Okay. bunch sure of written and directed. Um, I think his name is Jim White. I could be, I'm, I'm probably wrong. Uh, but he, if you look on his Vimeo, you if you look up Thunder Road, initially I read this article because it was about – it was this article about – I think it was like in Variety or something. It was about how this company had to try to get the rights to Bruce Springsteen's Thunder Road. So that's really what the article was about. And it said, and oh, and here's the film. And so basically the film is about this guy who sings the song Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. And so, like I said, that was what the article was about. But what it did is it led me to seeing this film and it moved me. It was – it's incredible. I, I, I just – Incredible, That's um, a good recommendation for sure. Oh yeah, um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. But so what? It was funny is like at the Nashville Film Festival this last year. So that I see this short film a couple of years ago, Nashville Film Festival. I'm like looking through. It. So I was like just looking at old documentaries. You know, what I mean, I I saw some local guys. I saw Motkey's thing. I saw other versions of you. Good, uh, good, good. I saw film. I I was in a film. Yeah, I was in a film called Strategy and Pursuit, directed by Matt Riddle Hoover. That was great. But most of the stuff Absolutely. I saw was documentaries, and then. And then I'm looking, it was the last day of the festival and I'm looking in the, in the brochure to see what's coming up. And I see Thunder Road feature. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I look and it's, they made a feature of this short film and man, it was, and it was starting in an hour and a half. And I was like, awesome. You know, I ran and I got, I (laughs) went and saw it and so it for me a lot of narratives these days it's it's hard to move me but Thunder Road was incredible I I, I strongly see, recommend seeing the short film and the feature because they're the short film is actually the opening sequence of the feature mm. but they redirect for the feature they ended the short film differently it's it's incredible anyway so um, yeah I mean it's you know for me right now I think the I think I'm confident enough uh, in what I do that. I think growing up, it's like I, I kind of felt like I needed to have um, uh, influences that, you know, that I could name directly for this particular thing or this one. You know what I mean? But I've kind mm-hmm. of outgrown that approach. I don't have influences that really influence what I do now. You know what I mean? I think I just do it now, you know. Um which, Which is, is free? Total,
0: yeah, totally fine, and and it's cool because we yeah. we really haven't gotten that answer before. So I always like uh, first time things, you know. What Good, I
1: mean? right on. Yeah, no, I so, mean, and yeah, and I and maybe when we hang up, I'll go, oh yeah, but but I, I really, yeah, it's. I think if anything, what I like doing is 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 it's not so much about an inf- It's like I'm not uh, looking to you know, Hey everybody, this, you know, where my influences on my sleeve as much as I I try to use what I can to set a mood. So, and that's why I think I gravitate towards music because, and listening to music because it sets a mood, it sets a tone. And so when I hear a record or I hear some new piece of music or something that I haven't, or something strikes me, I usually go, okay, so now when I play this type of guy, I know I can listen to this record, you know what I mean? And, and probably fit in it. And that's kind of how I look at it anyway. So one winded, I know.
0: No, but this has been a blast. You, you, uh, you have a great knack for storytelling and believe it or not, we are on our Thank last you. question. Uh, let's do it. In your opinion, what are the top three online resources for actors?
1: Online resources for actors. Well, it depends on what stage of the game you're at. You know, I mean, um, right now, the top three resources I have are IMDb, you know, IMDb Pro, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, uh, of course, you have your actors access, your casting networks, you know, I mean, the the, the resources that I have to kind of go to to stay in this business, you know, um, it matters what's on your IMDB. And I get actors asking, well, does it matter if I have an IMDB or not. And it's kind of like saying, well, that's like asking me if you've, if, if I'm not born, do I exist? It's like, you kind of have to have, you know, (laughs) you kind of have to have an IMDB (laughs) a to be, I don't want to say to be taken seriously because it sounds condescending, but that's kind of the next step. Yes. Once you're in film and TV, you establish the IMDB. I know actors that haven't, they that, that the IMDB has been established for them and they haven't taken any, they haven't made any effort to going in there and, you know, posting their profile picture or anything like that or updating, you know what I mean? But, um, learning how to work the IMDB and, and has has been enormous for me because I realized that that really does matter. Um, whether I like it or not, uh, you know, another resource, I mean, and I don't know if it's resourceful in the sense where you can go there and learn something about the craft, but what I, you know, I had a, I had a harsh reality thrown at me a couple years ago, uh, where, you know, I was up for this part, this independent film, these guys reached out to me or I read for this film. Um, and it was a lead for a film and it was pretty, pretty good film. Uh, or pretty good script anyway um and uh i didn't get it and the producer reached out to me and um, said hey look we loved your tape we really actually wanted to cast you but we went with this other guy because he has more twitter followers
0: <laughs> right
1: and that was a first you know what i mean like that was a first hearing that so i was like okay uh all right, so what does that mean? And it meant exactly that he had about 100,000 Twitter followers, and I had maybe 150, you know. Um, and I got it because I saw from a, a standpoint what that meant for them. You know, they, there's built-in built in customers there. And then so I saw the film after it came out, and I thought the guy sucked personally. And it had nothing to do with my connection to it. I really was just unmoved by the performance. And what, and maybe I think I was unmoved by the performance having knowledge that the reason why they went with him is because he had the followers. So I think that might've kind of influenced my decision-making there, but it just kind of just pissed me off. If anything, it didn't make me sad or anything. It just made me mad to think that that's where this business is now. Like, again, like would Brando not get a part because he didn't have a fucking hundred thousand Twitter followers. You know what I mean? So I think if anything, resources, you know, I mean, I think if you're going to go to anything, go to the classics, go to the Stanislavski, you know, start there, start with Stella Adler, start with Sandy Meisner, start with Lee Strasberg, you know, Um, start there because that's where all of those actors that you loved growing up and that you saw growing up, that's where they all got it from. You know, even though Shia LaBeouf doesn't talk about it, I'm sure you could talk to him about Meisner or Adler. You know what I mean? Every one of those actors that have something going, they have training and the training that, that, that they have has, has stemmed from something that Stanislavski has, has said or done. Um, You know, and, and I have this thing on, on line uh, or on Facebook called obvious tips for the semi-working actor <clears throat> and, um, is there a URL just, for like, that? Just, if, if that would be
0: like a second resource online, would there be a URL? Oh, for
1: absolutely. That? Well, I mean, it's like, yeah, I kind of, I used to put a lot more time into it. I think I've, I've got a couple of hundred tips on there, but they're really kind of tongue in cheek and they're really made for people. Like if you don't understand acting or if you're kind of like that wide eyed, you know, noob coming into it, you really wouldn't get it because it's kind of a little dark and tongue in cheek and, and slightly negative, so to speak. But like one of my favorite ones, I was working with an actor on something and, um, you know, I, I run across these actors and, and we all do. It's like, we're, well, I don't really have a process, man. I kind of just go with it. And it's like, okay, you know? Uh, and so my, my tip for that one was, it's like, you know, an actor without a process will eventually become an actor without an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that's true. I mean, I just think that, you know, you have to have some kind of process. You have to have to have some kind of something that gets you there um, okay, you know, so the first I, I,
0: one is IMDb Pro. The second one would be
1: IMDb well, IMDb Pro. The uh, second one uh, would, would be the be, Facebook. I mean, is, I,
0: is that going to be
1: one or or? And if so, what is the sure? URL? Why not? So I mean, sure. If I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna compare my I'm gonna put my my little rinky-dink page. Up there. <laughs> I mean, hey, I've got a, for a thousand followers. I'm gonna put my little rinky-dink Facebook page up there with IMDb Pro. Sure, why not? If this is so, the platform. Uh, so what would be called, the URL I'm just, for it's, that? It's, uh, you know that's a good question, but if you search obvious tips for the semi-working actor, uh, gotcha. um, Again, even even the title is kind of a kind of tongue-in-cheek. Um, uh, it's you'll find it, and then you'll go right to the page. And if you like it, you know I'll be certain to get on there. You know I constantly get these messages from Facebook saying, "Hey, you need to." Uh, all your followers are waiting to hear from you, and it's like it reminds me of just how much I'm not doing on there, and. You know, it's like for a guy who has a page with a couple of thousand followers, I'm like, yeah, maybe I should put a little more thought into that. I mean, I've been told to write a book and all that, and I probably will one day, but I kind of like just giving those things off for free. Um, And a third resource uh, on, and you're saying strictly online. Yep. um, Yep. You know, I probably don't have an answer for that because, I mean, I would, you know, I mean, I the frustrating thing for me as an actor now is when I see like this new acting book or something, you know I mean? I, I go to Amazon or of course to look for books or, you know, um, uh, you know, cause I think the ultimate resources for acting truly are books, you know? Uh, and so if that could be my answer, uh, I would just say, you know, again, again, going back to, uh, you know, an actor prepares, uh, the Stanislavski method, um, Uh, the practical handbook for the actor um, from the Atlantic theater company. It's pretty dense and it's pretty hard to kind of understand on a first take, but uh, it it kind of breaks it down in a very Meisner way. Um, But, you know, the frustrating thing for me with like books or resources or anything like that personally is as soon as I start reading something that's good, you know, or something that's motivating or motivational, or or something where I'm like, wow, this is fucking awesome. You know what I mean? It immediately makes me want to start acting, and then I'm not because there I am reading the book, and then I it frustrates me, and I think, shit, I wish I was working on something right now. So I tend to kind of stay away from resources necessarily because again, it's it, it frustrates me if I'm not working on something. So no, of course, it's like if I start, start working on something, then I'm like, okay, where are the resources? Um, but IMDb Pro, uh, obvious tips for the semi-working actor on Facebook, um, you know, and of course, you know where you are in life Again, it's like I think if you're if you're working in film and TV, you're you're gonna have to have online profiles. You know what I mean? I think, and I think to further that IMDb Pro thing, uh, why that's a good resource and 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 not just a tool to sell yourself is that. You can see and and how you can use it as an actor is if you do have an agent and they are submitting you and you are booking these things, what I tend to do is the resource and how I use it as a resource is if I don't book something, for instance, like if I did not get this episode of MacGyver, I would in a couple of weeks look on there and ultimately find out who did because I want to see what my competition is. And that's why I think it's a good resource for actors is because it, it allows you to see what your competition is and who else is out there. Who is, you know, who exactly did, who booked that role that I didn't get three years ago? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Now what are they doing? Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? And I can kind of follow paths of, of, of how, of where people go. So I think that's why that's a good resource. Um, Now, again, you have the actors access and the casting networks and why those are good resources is because, I mean, that's where you're going to find, that's where, that's where your agents are submitting you. That's where your, your managers are submitting you. Those are the, you know, and there's a, I think there's a few other websites like that where casting directors, that's where they, that's the platform they use. Uh, You know, um, it's all kind of interconnected and and like you set up a profile and your agent, you know, has access to that profile and they submit you uh, to, you know, um, to break down services because that's where the casting directors go to to post the new castings, you know, so it's it's this whole interconnected system. And this is all kind of brand new to me, too, because like I said, I used to walk in the room. That's what an audition used to be for me, walking in the room. And now, I mean, shit, everything I've booked, man, everything I've booked, I would say 99.9% of the stuff I've booked has all been from self-tape. And then so what that's changed for me as an actor is now when I get in the room, which I very rarely do now, and not because I'm not good, because but that's just not how they do it, you know? It's, because, it's like so now when I get in the room, I'm right back to having those jitters because I'm going, oh, shit, I'm not used to meeting the – casting director and the director in person and uh, you know what I mean now I'm back to <laughs> right. this kind of bumbling idiot again and it's uh it's interesting how it's just kind of I've, I've seen it watched it change and morph and then go right back to where it was you know what I mean so it's um it'd be interesting to see where it is in another 10 10 15 years where we are with all this you said it man so
0: this has been super well, thank duper, you uh illuminating and uh I can't wait. Did to you just call, call me Illuminati?
1: what did you just say? Did you just say I was Illuminati? I'm not Illuminati. You no,
0: you, you are uh, you're illuminating me with your knowledge of the Illuminati, and,
1: <laughs> and, and I know I nothing about them. I know nothing about them. They've never contacted me. They've never contacted me, Chris. I know exactly. nothing about the Illuminati. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, look, they man, don't I they can't. don't want me.
0: I can't wait to see you uh, in MacGyver and in, and in uh, Ozark for yeah, sure. Ozark. Uh,
1: yeah. Ozark season two on Netflix, uh, August 31st. I guess they just throw all the episodes up there. I think yeah. I'm in episodes. I'm, I'm in episode seven. Perfect. Uh, well, so,
0: good birthday present for me. That's right around my birthday. So um, no, happy birthday. Thank you. That'll be perfect. So um, yeah, I will talk to you soon, man. Let's see each other out there uh, on the beaten path of uh, the creative and um, uh, maybe coffee or wine or lunch or something soon.
1: Absolutely. Hey man, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope to, uh, I hope this goes well. I really, I I really appreciate what you're doing here. I think this is a great, it's a great thing you got going and I can't wait to hear more of them. You're the best man. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. All right, Be good. Bye.
0: You've been listening to the make it podcast. To find more information on this week's creative, including links to their projects, social media, and transcripts of this interview, please visit our website at www.bonsaifilm/podcast. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Banzai creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Show Me How to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.